I've come to learn that that Lord's Prayer, Messiah's Prayer, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, and nothing but holy talk. For I just give up. That's all it means. It's all righteous talk. But what it means from the heart is that I'm done trying. I've tried as much as I can. I've tried to control this thing. I've tried to enact the outcome. I've tried to affect the outcome. I've tried in my own strength. I've tried in my own power to make this thing go in a way that I thought it should go. But I've reached the end of my rope with this thing. So I'm ready to let go of the rope. Hallelujah. May your will be done. And may your kingdom come. We don't say that prayer when things are going too well. You just won the lottery. May your will be done. May your kingdom come. We don't say it when we got the good job. The good job. May your will be done, Adonai. It's a prayer from the depths. It's a prayer of giving in and giving up your own strength and your own control and your own desires to see a certain situation end up in a certain way. It's the sailor who's out there on the boat in the rain holding on to a rope that's attached to the dock and looking back and seeing a wavy river that's going out into an unknown ocean but holding on for dear life Thinking, I'm not going back there. I don't know what's that way. And it hurts my arms to hold on tight here. And I'm bleeding. It's the moment of letting go of the rope. It's the moment the sailor lets go of the rope. And says, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. I can control this thing no more. Life gives us... Uh, um, an illusion of control because God is within us and he is a creative God so he puts creation within us so we have this illusion that we can affect things we have this illusion that we can actually control where we're going right like we all have most of us or some of us have cars you know we get in the car turn the thing on thing normally turns on you know press the gas oh I press down, and I go forward. And hmm, I want to turn left right now, so I'm going to take this, this wheel, and I'm going to go like this. Whoa, check this out. I tell you, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it when you're in that moment when you want to go left, and the car goes left. Enjoy it. It's a blessing when your desire aligns with the will of God. Go into some empty parking lot, go into your car, turn it on, and go left around the parking lot. Enjoy it. Be 
blessed by it. But the time would come when as much as you try to go left, that stinking car ain't gonna go left. Like, what is happening here? I know we are supposed to go left. I know it. Wait a minute, I gotta fast and pray. Because, Lord, I know you want me to go left. I'm calling the prayer warriors pray. The Facebook messages, the, the text messages are going out. Oh, pray for Fred. He's really feeling led to go left and something is impeding him. We're casting out spirits of going right. We cast you out, spirits of going right. We know we're supposed to go left. In Yeshua's name. Name and claim it, baby. Here we go. I'll tell you, enjoy it. Enjoy it when your desires intersect with God's will in your life. But I tell you that he is not limited to your desires. And your desires don't have to be lined up with his will for his will to be accomplished. Thank you, Father. But when you're tired of trying to go left, when it just doesn't work anymore, when you've brought the vehicle to the mechanic mm -hmm. over and again, and tried to fix this thing, opened up the hood, tried to take it apart, figure out what the problem is, brought it to people who know better about these vehicles, when you're finally done with that, and you realize, I guess I ain't going left. That's the moment when you really say, may your will be done, and may your kingdom come. That is that moment. God is not limited by our desires. He doesn't care if our desires intersect with his will. He is going to accomplish his will anyway. We can roll with the wave, or the wave can pick us up, put us over there, break our arm in doing so. He's going to get us there one way or the other. His will will be accomplished in our lives. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done. Yet Jonah, Jonah's desires didn't intersect with God's will. Jonah's desires didn't intersect with God's will, and it would not stop Adonai from doing what he wanted to do through this prophet. Jonah, the prophet of Israel, prophet of Israel, he probably had similar situations that like Samuel had. You know, he was probably a kid, you know, learning how to write Torah scrolls and sitting there at a desk, and all of a sudden he hears, Jonah, what was that? What was that? You know? And he goes to his teacher. Oh, better listen to that. He was, he was a prophet. There was one time in Jonah's life where he realized he's a prophet. That he has a gift of prophecy. <sighs> I think I'm hearing the voice of the Lord. He knew Isaiah. He knew Jeremiah. He knew Samuel. He was able to read these things. It's like, I guess I'm a prophet. Now it was time for him to manifest the Lord's will in his life. And the Lord says to this prophet of Israel, go to Nineveh. 
must be hearing wrong. Hold on, hold on. Where are the harpists? I gotta speak in tongues. All right, where's my spiritual Q-tips? All right, I'm here. I heard you as a child, I know it. Go to Nineveh. Nineveh? I hate those people. Those are some stupid pagans. What are you talking about going to Nineveh? I'm a prophet of Israel. I read Samuel, how he anointed a king. I read Isaiah, who before me prophesied over Israel, prophesied over the coming of the great king, the Messiah. I read about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who wept over Israel. That's my calling. I'm a damn prophet <laughs> of Israel. When there's a multiple of 12, God sees them as Israel, as grafted in. So God sees 120,000 that's going to be grafted in. So go. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. And it did not matter to God. Jonah did not have to want to do it. Disobedience unto death. Thrown out of the boat, gulp, <laughs> swallowed by the big fish, died in there, but even there, even in there, in a place of disobedience unto death, if we had eyes to see that fish in that moment, we would see its belly light up. Because Yeshua, the King of Glory, said, I'm going for three days and three nights into the belly of the beast. So Jonah, disobedient unto death, in the belly of the beast, a light has shined even there. And then he wakes up. Oh no. <laughs> I guess I'm going to Nineveh. <laughs> On the beach. Goes to Nineveh. Uh, you guys gotta repent. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They take their clothes, they repent. He goes marching away, still has no interest in doing it. No interest in doing it. They repent. It didn't even matter to God that generations later, Nineveh wound up being destroyed. God wanted him to do it at that moment, and his desire to do it didn't affect God one single bit. He went to that moment where he was the sailor hanging onto the dock, and he finally let go of the rope. And he let Adonai take him to where he's going to take him. So may your kingdom come, may your will be done. May it be on earth as it is in heaven, may your will be done. <laughs> teach me how to pray, Yeshua! Hallelujah! Yeshua, teach me how to pray! Oh yeah? Teach me how to pray, Yeshua. Oh yeah? 
Are you sure you want to know how to pray? Are you sure about that? Teach us how to pray. Rabbis teach their disciples how to pray. Baruch Teach us how to pray. All right. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, sounds good. But our rabbi, our messiah, he's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher who just tells us things. He's a teacher who leads by example. So when was the time, when was the time that Messiah himself said, may your will be done? When was the time that Messiah himself prayed the Lord's Prayer? May your will be done. Not my will, but your will. When did he keep did it? Then. He didn't pray it when he's raising up Lazarus. May your will be done. He didn't pray it when all the people are following. May your will be done. May your kingdom come. He didn't pray it when he was feeding the 5,000. Which, by the way, is another reference to Israel, by the way. If you have the, the rejected foods filling up 12 baskets, that's another reference to Israel. That's the Hebraic thinking here. I'll give you guys a moment to just drink that in, because that's good revelation. <sighs> wow, that's pretty cool. He didn't say that when he was feeding the 5,000. He said it when he had a crown of thorns about to go on his head, when he was bleeding from his forehead, when he was rejected by his friends. That's the time when he said, may your kingdom come. And that is the time, sailor, of letting go of the rope and letting this ocean take you there. Adonai, our Father, wants to give us a blessed life. Doesn't mean this is gonna be an easy life. If we wanted an easy life, we shouldn't have asked the guy hanging on a cross into our hearts. We should have asked Bill Gates into our hearts. <laughs> or Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> or some sports figure, Derek Jeter. Okay, I'm a Yankee fan, don't kill me. <laughs> I know Rhode Island is between the halfway point of the New York and the Boston thing, but I grew up in New York, so don't hate me. Should have asked Derek Jeter to be in your heart if you wanted an easy life. But he wants to give us a blessed life and a prosperous life. And he'll say, I want you to prosper. He'll say that to those who are starving, and he'll say that to those who have an abundance of food. Because his promises are far above our circumstances. So we shouldn't have asked the guy on the cross. You know what the problem is? The problem is, we don't really know who we're asking into our hearts until we do it. We're like suckered into this thing. We should like read the whole Bible before we accept it. So that way we can, wait a minute, man of sorrows? Acquainted with grief? We gotta know what we're dealing with here before we accept it. It's like buying a house, you know, without even looking at the house. Susie and I are in the end stage here of buying a new house, you know, and you go to the house, you inspect the house. And then after you inspect the house, you kind of negotiate it. And then even after that, you bring an inspector in who kind of points out all this stuff that you didn't see when you looked at it yourself. 
he's like, oh, okay, that, that deck there is rotted wood, you gotta replace that, and, you know, the, 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 the sewer cap is, uh, you know, doesn't have a cap on it, and, you know, there's a rock there on the wooden siding, and, uh, uh, the footing is wrong here, and the foundation is wrong there, and I'm not sure if it had a termite treatment yet. We bring people in to check this thing out. We don't do it with the Lord. He suckers us into this thing. You know? It's like it even happened where we're approaching Shavuot. Shavuot's the time when God spoke the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. And all the people said, read it. But all, and all the people said, what you say we will do? We'll keep the commandments, what you say we will do. And we read it. What we don't realize when we read it is that how they said it. And this is how they said it. We'll do what you say! We'll do what you say! We'll do what you say! That's how they said it. Because it was scary for them. He scared them into the kingdom. We'll do, we'll do whatever you say! We'll do whatever you say! That's how he works it. Christian ministers these days, they get you while you're down. <laughs> oh, my life sucks. You need a savior. I think I do. I don't even know what you're talking about, but I know my life sucks. <laughs> you gotta accept Jesus into your heart. I do? Yeah, you do. Because once you do, you'll be all right. All right, I accept him. You're in. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Should have read your Bible. Should have read your Bible because now you can't get out of this thing. It's too late. It's too late. You should have read beforehand. The sailor, then go the rope. I was drifting down ways along the shoreline. I just watched this rope give way where it was tied. Could have reached out quick when the rope first slipped, if I tried. But I was wondering where the wind was trying to take me. Overnight, if I never did resist. What strange breezes Make a sailor want to let it come to this. With lines untied, slipping through my fist. With it? Not hook out, you're going. So now I'm drifting down a ways to the ocean. That's where, of course, the river always wants to flow. The river's been here longer. He's older and stronger and knows where to go. And I'm wondering where the river is trying to take me. Overnight, if I never did resist. And what strange breezes make a sailor want to let it come to this. With lines untied. Slipping through my fist. This is where I played as a baby. This is where I ran as a child. This is where my dad took the last breath he had and smiled. 
So I'm wondering where this life is trying to take me. Overnight, if I never did resist. And what strange breezes make a sailor want to let it come to this. Lines untied, slipping through my fist. With lines untied, slipping through my fist. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. We are between Passover and Shavuot. And in between Passover and Shavuot, time in scripture called the counting of the Facebook hearts. <laughs> the counting of the Omer. What is that? And what is an Omer? We have an appointed time, a moed, a holiday, a holy day, Passover. We recognize it as an appointed time. We recognize it as a time of blessing, as a time when God is doing something great. It's a celebration. It's a time where everybody gathers in unity and rejoices over what God is doing to deliver us. Later on, there is Shavuot, a time of rejoicing, an appointed time. These are two scriptural holidays. It's two of the seven feasts of the Lord. That's in the Torah. You have Passover, you have Shavuot is the next one, right? Where Passover is a day, we take off of work and we celebrate, it's, a, it's an appointed time. And then Shavuot is a day, we take off of work, it's an appointed time, that celebrates the giving of the commandments on Mount Sinai, and God speaking from Mount Sinai. It's the exact same day of Pentecost when God spoke again, except not this time, just from the mountain scaring the people, he did it through the people. That's Shavuot. Appointed time, appointed time. The counting of the Omer is the time in between. It's the time between the notable blessings in our life. It's the time where before like we're like, oh, God really moved here. And then there's a place where we know it's going to happen again. God is really moving here. And then it's the in-between time. The counting of the Omer tells us that every day between the appointed blessings is an appointed time in and of itself. Mm. Mm. Counting of the Omer. And if Omer is just a measure of barley that's waved, that's your daily bread. That's your daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So between the appointed time and appointed time is our life. And the counting of the yomer that we're in is everything we're going through. All the valleys and the acres of hope, the ups and the downs, are all appointed times. Every bit of it is an appointed time. We don't have to like it. We don't have to have our desires intersecting with his will in that moment. But it is his will in that moment. So the counting of the yomer is a recognition that whatever it is we're going through today, we wave it before Adonai, 
and we declare it as an appointment. <laughs> The scripture came to my heart this week. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it occurred to me that there aren't any non-gifts. There aren't any imperfect gifts. Because everything, 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 every, 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 every thing is a good and perfect gift. So the scripture says, every good and perfect gift is from God. It comes down from the Father. He created the heavenly lights. He does not change like the shadows that move. And what that spoke to me was that, just as my beloved was saying, every situation, even if it doesn't feel so great, and we've been in the muck ourselves, every situation, he intends that for our good even though it doesn't feel like a gift. My sisters and I would call that a gift. <laughs> and I won't say the word, but we would have a kind of an expletive for that, that gift, because we would at least be acknowledging that that was what it was and that he was gonna use it in some way for his glory and for our growth and our maturity and our blessing. And so if you're in that place, um, having receiving the mm -mm gift. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every good and perfect gift that comes from him. Who never changes. He never changes and he's faithful even when we are not. Hallelujah. 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 I, I'm convinced that the difference between a believer and a non-believer is just the believer recognizes that Adonai is in control. Right? So, okay, so there's... Um, the rabbis of old, they debate pretty much everything. So one thing that I've read that some rabbis have debated is God's, Adonai's control over nature. One rabbinic school of thought is God created nature. Right, the the, way, the the leaves and then and, and some ant somewhere and some lion eating some wildebeest somewhere in Africa or some tarantula going up a tree in South America, rainforest somewhere, right? So God created all that. One school of thought is he created it, it's a rabbinic school of thought. He created it and just kind of let it do its thing. Right, like he created it, it's kind of like he turned the top and he stepped away and just kind of just doing his thing. Nature just kind of operates by itself, it just regenerates itself, it does its thing. One school of thought, not my school of thought, one school of thought. The other school of thought is that um, God is in, is in control, intentional control, over every little thing that happens in nature, okay? Like some leopard steps on a little bug in some forest somewhere, and that's ordained by God. Whether or not it seems to have any sort of a notable effect in, in the world, right? So one is that God just put nature in place and let us kind of self-operate. The other school of thought is God operates every little nuance of it, right? Um, I am convinced that when we accept the Lord, when we ask Yeshua, the guy on the cross, into our hearts, what differentiates us from nature is just our acknowledgement that he's in control. Because he's in control anyway. That's right. We just recognize that he's in control. And, and the difference between us and like an atheist, an atheist doesn't believe in God, so they just think everything's just kind of random. 
it's just kind of like part of nature. Like whatever's happening, it's just part of nature. It's just some randomness that's just kind of happening, right? So that's why sometimes when bad things happen to us as believers, it just sucks. Because we know that there's a creator and we know that he loves us and we know, we know that he's going to give us a future and a hope and things like that. We believe these things and then when we see things happen, you know, people in the world was like, oh, it's just the way it is. You know, it's just part of nature, it's just random, whatever it is. And we're like, what is going on? I'm a child of God. What's going on? This shouldn't be this way. So really the, the main difference is that we, are, we have an acknowledgement that God is in control and we, we acknowledge and we see, we know he's a God of blessing, right? But we think that blessing has to do with physical circumstances at the moment. You tell that to Christians all over the world who are starving and, and persecuted and God will say the same thing to them as he'll say to us, I'm going to make you prosper. I'm going to bless you. And it's got nothing to do with our situation. But King David got it right on. He's like, God, like I know you and life stinks. And the people are like, they don't know you. They seem to have it so easy. It's just that we acknowledge that there's a good king over us. You know, so sometimes we're like, what is going on? What's going on? This can't be the, can't be the end result here. You know, but everything, 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 everything that we're going through. Every little, every valley, every turn, every time the car goes left, every time the car just won't go left, as much as we try, it is all holy kadosh moments. So during this time of the counting, recognize that, all of us, me, everybody, let's recognize, recognize that all this stuff that we're going through, whatever it is, whether we're hallelujahing from the mountaintop or crying from the mountain bottom, it's all divine time. Let go of the rope, sailor, and his kingdom will come, and his will be done, will be done.